Read with me. Psalm 115 verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. How many claiming that? He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Praise God. Well, a whole of wealth in this world is in the earth. Praise God. It's all here. And he gave it to us. All of it. I want you to confess verse 14 out loud with me over yourself at least two or three times. We're going to confess that the Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. Let's confess that together. The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. Say it again. Think about it. The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. One more time. The Lord shall increase us more and more, us and our children. Praise God. You believe that? Claim it. Believe it. Expect it. Praise God. We began Friday night talking about the laws of increase. God's a God of increase. He's not a God of decrease. He doesn't want to take away from you. He doesn't want you to go down and backward. He, he's not a God who just wants you to stay where you are. He wants you to increase. And he wants you to increase in every realm and in every area. Third John 2, you remember, said, Beloved, I wish uh, that you'd prosper and be in health. I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Soulical prosperity is increasing, increasing in your fellowship with God, increasing in your growth in the Lord, increasing in the fruit of the Spirit, increasing in revelation and anointing. He said, I want you to be in health. Well, that's increasing in physical well-being, in strength. And he said, I want you to prosper. He's talking about financial and material. God wants us to increase in every realm. Of course, spiritual and follicle increase is the most important. And then physical increase of health and well-being is more important than having money. But then also it's important to have money and to have things. It takes money to, to work and to have them do things in this world, doesn't it? I mean, you, you remember when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, that first generation that, brought it, that he brought out of Egypt? Did you notice that the first thing he did, the Bible said he brought them forth with silver and with gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, we understand that, that those people are types and shadows for us. Is that right? And them coming out of Egypt, them being brought through the Red Sea, that's a type of coming out of the world, coming out of sin, and coming out of spiritual darkness and bondage into freedom, going to Canaan's land, the blessings of God. And it was the first thing he did when he brought them out was he healed all of them and he put money in their pockets. We said sickness and, and poverty are two of the devil's main uh, schemes and keys that he uses to incapacitate Christians 
and to keep them back and to hold them down. Because if he can keep you sick enough, he can keep you from doing much for God. Is that right? And if he can keep you poor enough, he can keep you from doing much for God. I mean, even if you got money, if you're sick, you don't feel like doing anything. Hadn't got strength to get up and even go to church like you ought to. Much less get out and serve God. Is that right? But even if you feel good and you got strength, I mean, if you don't have money, you can't afford to do much. Can't travel here, can't go. Have you ever done any traveling lately? Stayed in a hotel, eaten meals in restaurants, bought any airfare? It's expensive, isn't it? I mean, it costs. It costs hundreds of dollars just to go from one place to another. I mean, the bills can add up quickly. And uh, so you got to have money to go somewhere, especially, you know, if you've ever gone to Europe or go to Africa or something and stay for a week or two. Man, it, it takes money. And uh, we've got a, a great uh, commission. We've got a gospel message to get out. Amen. We ought to take advantage of everything that's available to us. Take advantage of our, our technology. Take advantage of all our, our, our sources of media. And it takes money. It does. It takes money to print materials. Takes money to buy radio time or TV time or those things. Takes money to build buildings. Takes money, money, money. Now, a lot of those people don't like you talking about money. But those are the people that need to hear about it. It's the ones that don't want to hear about it. And I've found, you know, if you don't say much about money, well, you have problems there. If you say too much about money, well, you have problems there. And it's hard to please everybody. But you just need to obey God and teach what the Bible says, whether, you know, somebody's going to say something about it or not. You know, people are going to, somebody's going to say something. You understand that? And everybody's not going to like everything. But you just need to obey God and, and, and keep your heart right, and the Lord will bless you. But uh, we need money. God wants us to have plenty. He wants us to have abundance. He's the God of increase. But it's not just an automatic thing. He has set laws in his kingdom and in his things that govern increase and prosperity. If you get involved with them and operate in them, then you will increase and prosper. If you violate them and operate in opposition to them, then you won't prosper and increase. And, and to tell the truth, it's much more up to us how much we prosper and increase than it is God. I said it's much more up to us how much we prosper and increase than it is God. I mean, he set things up, and he's told us in the word how to do it, but it's up to us whether we do it or not. And it's up to us how much we do it or not. It's really more up to us. Your prosperity, your increase, is much more up to you than it is God. And so since that's true, we need to learn these principles and laws of increase. We need to check up on ourselves uh, regularly to see that we are operating in these and obeying these and doing what he's told us to do. The first law of increase that we shared on Friday night and also uh, into Saturday morning is law one is to put God first. You know, Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your presses will burst out with new wine. We taught that the tithe, was not just 10%. The tithe was the first and the best 10%. And it's not just a matter of getting out your calculator and mathematically figuring out what's 10% and you don't pay tithes like you're paying a bill. You understand? It's a matter of honoring God 
taking the first and the best off of everything that comes in and offering it up to God and say, Lord, I acknowledge that all my blessings come from you. And I love you and I love your work and I want to support you. And I'm putting you first. And I give this gladly without reservation because I know there's a lot more where this came from. Can you say amen? So uh, I said, you know, that my wife and I have practiced for some time. Everything that comes in, every check, every offering, every gift, money or things, we figure out the approximate value of things, anything that comes in, and we take the first part off the top of that, and we take the 10 plus, we round it off on the fat side, and we give that to God immediately before we look at bills, before we do anything. Now, there's a time when we didn't do that years ago, and we weren't very blessed either. Did you hear me? You can do what you want to, but I'm telling you something that's working for us. Okay? God's been blessing us, all right? You can do what you want to. I hear people say, well, you know, well, I can't, we just can't afford to, uh, to do that. No, friend, you can't afford not to do it. You can't afford not to. And it's not a matter of money. It's a matter of faith. That's what it's a matter of. Is God big enough to get it back to you by the time you need it or not? See, do you believe him or don't you? Did you hear me? So uh, uh, it's not a matter of money. It's a matter of faith, and it's a matter of putting God first. The most important thing to you financially has got to be your giving. It can't be your house payment. It can't be your car payment. It's got to be your giving. Giving's got to become more important to you than anything else financially and materially. Now, many, many, many have not made that transition yet. But you've got in your mind, in your heart, in your thinking, you've got to put God first. Number one in your giving. Secondly, we said that one of the main laws of increase is the law of sowing and reaping. We studied about that last night and talked about some things. How that the Bible said, you know, that if you give uh, sparingly, you'll just reap sparingly. If you give bountifully or generously, then you'll reap bountifully and generously. Luke 6.38 said, give, and it will be given to you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. For with the measure that you meet with all, it'll be measured back to you again. And we said that you need to sow in every area that you want to reap in. Now, see, there's more to giving than just putting money in the offering plate and then giving in offerings in church. That's just part of giving. You need to have a lifestyle of giving. And we said that giving is one of the chief expressions of love. If you love somebody, you want to give something to them. Whether it's a hug or a kiss or money or a gift or clothes or do a favor for them. Is that right? God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. Is that right? Love gives. And it's not just something you do in church. It's just a way of life with you. And you should see a day, if you go a day and don't give somebody something, you should see it as a vain day and an unprofitable day. Did you hear me? And you, you can give people a lot. You can give people things by praying for them. That's giving them something, isn't it? You can give people things by just smiling and being a friend to them. You can give people things by, by loving them and doing a, doing a favor, doing an errand for them or something. You can give them money. You can give them things. There's all kind of ways you can give. But if love is dominating you, you will be a giver by nature. And it's more blessed, Jesus said, to give 
than it is to receive. You've got to get stirred up. Giving's got, you've you got to come to the place where you think more about giving than you do what you want. Now, see, when you, when, you, when you begin to get like that, then you know you're operating in the principles of God. You've got to think more about giving to other people than about what I want. See, when you're making more confessions about what you want than you are being prospered so you can give, you're out of balance. You're being selfish, and you're violating one of the major laws of increase. Thirdly, we said a third law. We talked about this last night. This is a very important thing, is the law of stewardship. We said it's possible to tithe, to give, to believe God, and yet, uh, even though you have more coming in, I mean, if you're a giver and believe God, he's going to prosper what you've sown, and more is going to come back to you. But even though more is coming in, that does not necessitate that you prosper. You know, you can have more coming in, and then just have more going out. And your figures get bigger on both sides, income and outflow, but you're still not prosperous. you still got more in the red than you are in the black. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people think just because you've got a large, large amount of money coming in that you're in real good shape. Well, no, you can be in worse shape than you used to be. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not just having more come in, but you need the wisdom of God. And you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. I mean, God can bless you and have a lot come in, and you can do one stupid thing and blow it all in a day. Is that right? You can hook up with one wrong person. You can invest in the wrong thing. Is that right? And get in trouble. Next thing you know, you're sitting looking good one day, in debt the next. It can happen quickly, can't it? So it's very important. That we be good stewards. We said you need to, uh, the Bible said, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and your herds. You need to keep up with your stuff. Don't just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and round, you know, don't really know what's going on. You need to know exactly what's coming in. You need to know exactly what's going out. You need to know exactly what you owe, how much interest I'm paying on this and that. You know, for instance, I've seen people, bless their hearts, struggle and try to save a thousand here or a thousand there to put back for a retirement fund while they're paying two hundred thousand dollars interest on their house over the course of their loan. You understand what I'm saying? Now see they'd be a lot smarter putting that thousand toward the principal on their house and not paying all that interest. They'd be a lot further ahead down the road. But see what is that's lack of wisdom. You understand what I'm saying? People struggle with this. and struggle. They don't have a picture of the whole thing. They don't really know what's going on. And so you need to be diligent to know the state of your affairs. Know exactly what's going on. And then cut out the waste. Remember when Jesus fed the multitudes? After they got through eating, what did he say? Take up the fragments. Pick up the pieces. Why? Because he had a poverty spirit? No. He's teaching us something about stewardship. I mean, God wants you to have the best. But he is very, very big on stewardship. If you hadn't learned that, you better get a hold of it. He wants you. I mean, there'll be times when, man, you just open your heart and just give big to this and that. And then there'll be other times when you tighten your belt. You understand what I'm saying? And we watch everything on this area. And we, we glean everything that we can. And then so we can have to give to turn around here and be liberal again. Can you see what I'm, what I'm saying? Very important. If we had time, we could go into it. So important. You know, the Bible said there's, a, there's 
precious treasure and things to be desired in the home of the wise, but the foolish man spendeth it up. You see? And there's so many things, so many times we're sitting on top of resources, but we're blind to them. We need to, if we just pray and wait on God, he'd show us. You need to do this. You need to stop this. You need to get rid of this. It's costing more than it's worth. You need to get into this. You understand what I'm saying? Wisdom. Wisdom. Brother Hagin said one time the Lord appeared to him in a vision, and before he talked to him about some other things, but at the end of his vision, he told him, he said, if you'll learn how to follow my spirit, if you'll learn how to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. He said it astounded him. His Pentecostal mind wasn't used to hearing that kind of thing. And he said, yes, the Lord knew his thoughts, of course, and saw the look on his face. He said, And he looked at him and he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I am opposed to their being covetous. Now, see, God didn't want you to put anything ahead of him. I mean, you know, if you're going to put a car or a house or clothes or whatever ahead of him, if you're going to think more about it than you do him, he'd rather you not have it. Did you hear me now? But you ought not be like that. You ought to know where every blessing comes from. Is that right? And love God more than you love anything. And don't get too attached to anything. Don't have anything that you can't give away. I said don't have anything that you can't give away. It's just stuff. Is that right? They make it all the time. There's a lot more where that came from. I know one time this, uh, these two Ramah students... Uh, this story got back to me <clears throat> that they were talking their first year. I hadn't learned a lot yet, you know. And, but uh, but one of them was, uh, was saying to the other, you know, about all these things he had. And he was kind of supposed to be testifying about how God had blessed him, but he's really just kind of bragging about what he had. He had this and he had that and he had the other. When he got through, finally the other, other guy that he was talking to, he said, he said, well, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine, he said. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, it's all going to melt. Is that right? I mean, it, you know, cars wear out in rust. Houses eventually rot and fall. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, nothing lasts forever in this material realm. Don't Clothes, they don't last forever. Is that right? Nothing. Nothing. Some things last longer than others. But you understand what I'm saying? It's just stuff. Don't get too attached to it. Don't, don't ever put anything ahead of the Lord and don't put things ahead of people. Be ready to give. Don't have anything you can't give away. But just do it in, with God's leading. You know, I have heard people, you know, they heard somebody else gave a car away or something, so they gave theirs away and walked for two years. <laughs> because, you know, so many times they missed God. God didn't tell them to do that. They just they thought that God's, you know, the heavenly slot machine. Put this in, pull a lever, and all these blessings fall out. You know, well, no, you got to be led. I said you got to be led. You don't just do things off the top of your head. You don't just do things from a selfish motive only. See, people get mixed up about this. They either they either act like it's the only only reason I'm giving is because I'm gonna get something, or they get in the ditch on the other side and say, well, I'm just giving, but I don't expect to get anything back. There's a middle of the road in the truth of the word here. Now, you, your main motive for giving ought to be because you love God and you love people and you want to obey God. 
You understand what I'm saying? And you ought to love God and people enough that you'd give, even if you didn't get anything back, if you had no return coming, you'd still do it because you love God and you love his people. Is that right? And you want his things and his will to be done. But on the other hand, he told us that if we would give, what's going to happen? It's going to be given back to us. He's going to deal with people to give to you. I want to say something now. If people are not giving you things, if people are not giving you things, money, favor, deals, then you're not obeying God. It's his plan. What did he say? Give and what's going to happen? It's going to be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men shall men. Is that right? No, men's going to give to you. If you're a giver, people are going to give to you. Is that right? Some of you are quiet. You need to get this now. If you're a giver, what's going to happen? People will give to you. Now, why will they give to you? Because God's going to deal with them. Is that right? God's going to deal with them. If God is not dealing with people to give to you money, things, favor, deals, then you're not doing what he told you to. Simple. Either in the areas of sowing or another area that I'm about to get to here in just a moment. But uh, if you're doing what God told you to do, believing like he told you to believe, he will be dealing with people to give to you. And you need to believe that. In fact, it wouldn't hurt you at all to say that periodically. God is dealing with people. Now, you don't tell him who to deal with. All right? No, 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 no. You don't tell him who to deal with and don't drop hints. I see a lot of people, they never learn what faith is. You know, there's some people, bless their hearts. You know, if somebody, somebody's praying in the altar or something, and they just happen to kneel beside somebody that's got some money. <laughs> and they pray, Oh, God, you know I need $900 by the end of the month. Oh, God, you know I need it, and you know, I, you know my heart, and you know I'm sincere, and you know I, I don't know of any way to get it. Lord, deal with somebody. Lord. <laughs> Somebody that's sensitive to you, that'll hear your voice, oh God. Somebody, Lord. And uh, then somebody, you know, that person, you know, they overhear and they say, you know, I couldn't help but uh, overhear. They, and the person looks at them like, oh, you did? And, and yeah, and you know, I, I, uh, I can help you with that. And then they get up and testify about how God met their need. God didn't meet their need. I mean, there's people in jail for stuff like that. They call them con men. Con women. No, they just felt sorry for them. And they're just moved by human sympathy. And moved by what they thought were a need so many times. No, 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 no. See, God wants us. To learn to be led by the Spirit of God. He doesn't want you to be led by needs. He doesn't want you to be led by sad stories. He doesn't want you to be led by appearances. He wants you to be led by the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Now, if it comes to a church or a ministry, then yeah, 
the leaders and whoever needs to get up and let you know what we're doing because it's not just one man or two people or five people's work. This is all of us, us family. You understand what I'm saying? This is what we need. This is what's going on. But when it comes to your personal things, you don't have to tell anybody. Did you hear me? I've received more than one letter. They said, Brother Keith, I need such and such, and I need such and such, and I need such and such. And you know, the Bible said, let your request be made known. And just stop right there. <laughs> so I'm letting you know, Brother Keith, what I need. Well, that's not what that verse said. It didn't say, let your request be made known unto Brother Keith. <laughs> let your request be made known unto God. Now, see, friend, if you will just tell God what you need and just sow and believe him and don't tell anybody a lot of times on your personal things, then when God deals with somebody or somebody's, plural, to take care of it and it happens, then you know it's God. And it's a great blessing and boost to your faith. When you know you didn't pull on anybody, you didn't drop any hints, God dealt with them. Is that right? God. Now, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes you may be talking about something and you didn't mean, you weren't implying or hinting, just something came up in the conversation and it was just mentioned. That's all right, but don't do it purposely to drop a hint. Do you hear what I'm saying? Or to pull on anybody. Now, uh, don't be ashamed to let people know what you need. If they come, you know, if they come ask you, you know, I've had the Lord deal with me to go ask somebody, do you need such and such? And they wouldn't hardly tell me. Because they say, well, I'm believing God. Yeah, but I'm asking you. I'm asking you. I didn't tell them, but God dealt with me to come talk to you. God's answering your prayer right now. See, some, sometimes people don't, don't even see it when God's moving for them. You know, it's like, remember, remember when God uh, rained manna out of the sky to feed the Israelites? And that, you don't know how manna got its name. They came out and they saw it on the ground. They said, manna? That means, what is it? They thought, what is this stuff? And Moses had to tell them, that's your bread. That's what God told him. He's going to rain your bread out of the sky. There it is. Pick it up. Make some bread. He had to tell them. And sometimes people don't know when their blessing gets there. That's right. Man, they're believing God. They're confessing. Here it is, right in their face. And they're going, no, I'm believing God. Well, here it is. Yeah, but I'm believing God. Well, there it is. Get it. Now, this brings me to my next law that we want to speak to you about. And we're just going to summarize some of these things. I don't want to keep you too long. But the next law we want to talk to you about is the law of diligence. And we're going to hook this up with the law of obedience. Now these are, you know, you could divide these up into two segments, but I, I, I hook them together. I'm calling this just one law because diligence and obedience actually work hand in hand. The law of diligence and the law of obedience. These are great factors in you being prospered or not being prospered. Let me read some of these things to you from Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 4. You don't have to turn to these. You can just jot them down. Proverbs 10, 4 says, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Did you hear that? That's the NIV. Lazy hands make a man poor. 
That'd be a woman too, you understand. Diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 13.4. 13.4 says the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Diligent. Proverbs 14.23. 14.23 says all hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads only to poverty. I know there's a lot of folk, they're talkers, but they don't ever do anything. Man, they talk your ear off. But when it comes time to actually hitting a project and doing it, they fade out. But he says just mere talk will lead to poverty. But if you know how to work hard, that will, uh, that will be a factor in your prosperity. The Bible says the idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs 22, 29. Proverbs 22, 29 says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before undistinguished men. Or unimportant. I mean, in other words, he'll get to the top of his area. He'll have the best clientele. He'll have the best contracts. There's no one. He'll be the highest paid. What kind of person? The one who is diligent in what they do. Paul said in the New Testament, don't you remember? In 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 and 11. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 and 11. He said, we gave you this commandment that if a man will not work, he shall not eat. He says, because we hear that there's some among you that's idle. They're not busy. They are busy bodies. Now, some people, you have to, you know, you have to talk to people on, on both sides of this. Some people, they're hard workers, and they push that area too much. They think it's all up to me how hard I work, whether I prosper or not. And so, man, they work night and day, night and day. They don't know how to rest. They don't know how to trust God and let him move for them. They think it's just all up to me, and they're trying to do it all by their works. And so they need, to, they need to come more in the middle of the road and learn how to rest more, do less, and believe more. Did you hear me? But there's other people in the ditch on the other side of the road. All they want to do is lay around on the sofa and make confessions. Did you hear what I'm saying? And they don't want to do anything. Can you see what I'm saying now? We've got people in the ditch on both sides of the road. You've got to be diligent. See, for instance, in my case, I know the Lord dealt with us some years ago. I was working at, at a, a Kenneth Hagin Ministries, full-time job, you know, worked 40-plus hours a lot of time, you know. Uh, I'm working in there during the day, regular eight-hour day most of the time, and, and also I'm doing things at night sometimes. And uh, the Lord dealt with me to start going out on weekends. Well, I didn't just exactly jump at that idea. Because, you know, I mean, I work hard all week. You don't mind taking off a little bit. And the Lord dealt with me off and on. This has been several years ago. The Lord dealt with me off and on about doing that. And I thought, well, I, you know, I'm just, I don't want to just be going, going to be going. I get to preach plenty. I get to minister plenty. The Lord dealt with me, no, but I want you to do it. And that's one way that I'm going to prosper you and bless you. Well, see, the Bible says they that preach the gospel live of the gospel. Is that right? So if I'm called, preaching and teaching is my business. Is that right? Now, if I'm going to lay around and not preach and teach and not have any meetings, not do anything, then I'm violating one of the laws of prosperity. Now, the meetings are not my source, but it's one of the avenues God's going to bless me. 
And if I'll be diligent and go and do, then God's going to prosper me. And so I, it's true. We begin to do that. I finally, I sit in my chair one day in my in our living room. I finally just spoke to the Lord. I said, all right, Lord. Okay, all right. You want me to go? I'll go. And man, we've been going. And But it's good. We, we enjoy it. Uh, and, and the Lord has blessed us tremendously through this avenue in a lot of ways, as well as financially. But you understand, if, if you're a mechanic, be diligent in what you do. I mean, if you're, if you're fixing cars, you figure out the quickest way to get that transmission out. You understand what I'm saying? You believe God and get the best tools. And you have that transmission out while other people are still thinking about it. You understand? You figure out God will give you wisdom. You can fix three transmissions while somebody else is fixing one. That's right. And do it right. I mean, if you're building houses, be diligent in it. Have houses going up everywhere. You know what I'm saying? If you're selling this or you're selling that, uh, God will show you. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to lie. You don't have to pressure and be rude to people. God will show you ways. Show you ways and hook you up with people and hook you up with situations if you wait on him and you spend a little time waiting on him and getting quiet and praying about things. And then once you got a plan and once you know what to do, hit it. Be diligent. Is that right? Go. Now, don't go till you know. You know, how many remember over in uh, Ecclesiastes? In fact, won't you turn over there real quickly? Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter. Notice this. You're close by. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Verse 10. Ecclesiastes 10.10. He says, If the iron be blunt, and he do not whet or sharpen the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Now what does he mean by that? Well, if your axe is dull, you're going to have to swing it harder and get less results. Is that right? So if you're wise, what will you do? You sharpen your axe before you start chopping. Well, that means you get to the woods later. I said that means you get to the woods later than if you just grab your axe and go. And what people may not realize is it looks like to other people you know, that, you know, maybe the whistle blows to start work in the morning and some people just grab their axe and take off. And man, they're, I mean, the sweat's flying and the bark's flying. And they're swinging that axe. Chop, 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 chop. But their axe is not sharp. And they don't have good focus. So they're hitting the, axe, they're hitting the tree here and they're hitting it here. And they're hitting it here and they're hitting it here. And they're, oh, they're swinging and they're sweating and bark's flying. But how many know that you take a long time to get a tree down like that with a dull axe and hitting it in different places? But let's say that you have wisdom and everybody else took off, but you sit down on the stump and you take your axe and you take your file and you're sharpening your axe and praying, saying, Lord, which tree should I cut today? Now, you keep sharpening, and you turn it over on the other side. Hey, Lord, which tree is it? Which tree is it? Now, everybody else has been out there chopping for 30 minutes, and you're just sitting on the stump. Looks like they're ahead of you. Did you hear me? You just keep sharpening. Feeling, well, that could be a little sharper. Praying. Maybe praying the Holy Ghost. Lord, 
which tree should I check today? And where, okay, all right, I see it, I see it, I see it. You've been there for an hour. I see it. It's that tree over there. Lord, where should I chop at on that tree? And you get direction. See that little knot down at the bottom, just a few inches from the ground? Yeah, right there on top of that knot. All right. Yeah, the axe is sharp. And everybody else has been out, they've already been out there an hour and a half. You take your sharp axe. You go directly to that tree. Now you actually sharp, you got direction. Now it's time for diligence. Before you needed direction. Get direction before you apply diligence. How many know it doesn't make any difference how hard you're running if you're running the wrong way? <laughs> right? Don't make any difference how hard you're chopping if you're chopping on the wrong tree. Now you got that sharp axe. Now you know exactly where to put it. I mean with everything that's within you. Same spot, same spot, same spot, same spot, same. Next thing you know, you're going to hear a crack. Trees don't come down. You wipe your brow and go home. The rest of them still chopping and flailing. Haven't got anything down yet. You know, sometimes you can get more done moving slower. Yet moving surely. Wisdom. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Now when you know what to do, be diligent on it. But before you're diligent, get direction. This brings us to another point. This is another principle, but we've interwoven it in with this one. How many remember what Isaiah 119 says? 118 and 19. You remember what that says? If you be willing... And obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now, that word good, if you look it up, it means choice and best. God wants us to eat the choice and best, doesn't he? Wants us to have the best. Wants us to be blessed and prosperous. But what did he say? If you be what? Willing. Willing. And if you'll be what? Obedient. I want you to understand that obedience plays a big factor here. God is not obligated to bless just anything you decide to do. Did you hear me? God is not obligated to prosper just any cockamamie idea you have. You need to pray, get his plan. You need to do what he wants you to do. And then he will bless you doing what he told you to do. Elsewise, you go the wrong way with the wrong thing, and you can be knocking yourself out and saying, well, why isn't God blessing me? Well, he's not obligated to bless you getting out of his will. You see that sometimes. I've seen people just frustrated with me. Well, I, I'm doing my best. You know, why won't God bless me? Well, are you sure this is what he told you to do? You see, so many times people ought to spend more time seeking God before they get into something than just getting in the middle of it and then trying to get him to bless it when it may not even be something he wants you to do. He's not obligated to bless something that he didn't tell you to do or didn't direct you to do. Be sure you get direction before you apply diligence. Be sure you're running in the right direction before you run hard. Right? Elsewise, you just got further to go back. Right? When you realize you're going the wrong way, you'll have to stop and you'll have, to have further to walk back to get back to where you should be. But then once you know you're on the right track, once you know you're going the right way, pour it on. Now be diligent. Now give it your all. Now pull out the stops. Go. 
Give it your all. You know, the Bible said over in Deuteronomy 8, don't you remember? What is it, 8.18? That you remember the Lord your God. He gives you power to get wealth. Didn't say he's just going to drop it on you. He gives you power to get it. Is that right? I mean, God rained manna out of the sky supernaturally, didn't he? But they still had to go out and pick it up, didn't they? Didn't they? That would have been some folks, some charismatics. They, I guess they'd have starved. Because they'd have just sat in their tents and made confessions. Right? But God did, God did supernatural miracles. He rained it out of the sky, but they still had to go out there, and it was hot in the desert, you see. They still had to go out there and stoop over and pick up those little, little flakes of, uh, of manna until they got enough to make some bread. There's a little work involved in that. Right? Then when you got it gathered, then you still had to go make your bread and make your flour or whatever. I mean, you're going to have to work. Work is God's idea. Amen. Did you hear me now? You know, work is something we need. Everybody should be working. Everybody. Now, I'm a preacher, and I don't have a secular job, but I'm working. Did you understand what I'm saying? I know I was didn't go in home for a few years, and I went in and met some relatives I hadn't seen for a while. They asked me what I was doing. I told them. They said, you mean you're not working? <laughs> I thought to myself, uh, you ought to follow me around for a week. And then tell me what you think. I have worked hard manual labor before. I grew up on a farm. We had a dairy farm. We had what we called truck patches of crops that we grew and what have you. And I've worked on the docks loading freight. I've worked hard manual labor. I know what it is to work. And there's been many a day I looked out the window of my office and thought, man, it'd be easier digging a ditch than doing this. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's different kind of work. You've got to work your mind. got to work your spirit. You understand what I'm saying? And it's taxing in a lot of ways. But it's my work, and I love it, and I enjoy it. And whatever God's given you to do, do it with all your might. Isn't that what he said? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Ecclesiastes said. So diligence and obedience are big factors in prosperity. Now finally, and I'll try not to be too long with this, but finally, a law that we want to share with you is the law of faith. The law of faith. How many could suppose that faith has something to do with us being prosperous? <laughs> Big time. Big time. The law of faith. Now, when I say faith, I'll just refer you back to several things that are very familiar to most of you. But, uh, how many remember Mark 11, 23 and 24? Huh? Anybody remember that? Yeah, I got four people, looks like. Praise God. Mark 11, 23, what did he say? If you'll say, and not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. So, you need to be believing something, and you need to be saying something. Is that right? It, see, don't, don't tithe and sow and give, and then say, well, you know, I guess the economy's bad. I guess we won't be doing too hot. I, you know, I guess we can't expect our business to do very good this year. I guess this, I guess that. Quit talking that way. You talk your blessing away. No, I don't care what's going on. You talk right. You say, God's blessing me. God's increasing me more and more. I don't care what the papers say. I don't care what the news says. I don't care who's in office. 
or who's not in office. God is a big God. He's bigger than all these things. And He can bless you in any climate, in any situation. Is that right? Any financial situation. Any geographic location. I mean, you know, God caused the, the ravens to bring bread and meat to Elijah on the side of the, the creek there. I mean, if he's got to, he'll, he'll have it, a little dog bring it to you in a paper sack. I mean, if he did it one time, he could do it again. God knows where it's at. And he knows how to get it to you. All he needs you to do is believe him. Believe him. Believe him. Talk right. Boy, you won't hear me talking about going in the hole. You won't ever hear me talking about we're not going to make it. You won't ever hear that come out of my mouth. No, sir, I believe in my words. I believe my words are powerful. I believe if I said it, it happened to me. I believe it. So you know what I say? I say I'm prospering. Man, I'm going from glory to glory. I'm going from level of increase to level of increase. I'm going up. I'm going forward. I tell you, I'm going to give more. I'm going to have more. I'm going to be blessed. I'm a giver, and God is dealing with people to give me money, things, favor. It's coming to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's coming my way. God is dealing while I talk. He's dealing. He's dealing while I sleep. He's working. His angels are a-working, bringing the money in. It's his business who, how, where and what have you, but it's happening. Amen. I said, it's happening. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pay everything I owe off. I got a few things off. I'm paying it off. I'm coming up. I'm going to have more and better, and I'm going to give more than I ever have. Amen. I'm giving more. I'm giving more, and it's going to happen soon that I'm going to reach certain increments of this and that. I've got a vision, and I'm believing God. See, faith has a vision, doesn't it? And faith is expecting things to happen for it. Faith believes. Now, I want you to, to notice something. Go with me to Matthew, the sixth chapter, if you would. Matthew, chapter six. If I had time, I'd preach to you. I think y'all would help me too, wouldn't you? Well, if you don't shout on this, I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, <laughs> boy, if you find out God wants to bless you, wants you to have better, and wants you to make you a blessing, and you don't, that doesn't excite you, then, you know, you need to pray through. Matthew 6, Matthew 6, verse 19. He said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Everybody say, treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't, lay, don't just stockpile it down here on the earth. Lay up treasures in heaven. How do you lay up treasures in heaven? By your giving. Is that right? Giving to the Lord's work. Giving to the poor. Giving like the, all these areas that we talked about. Giving. Sowing. When you're giving, you're not just throwing it away, you're investing. You're making investments in the bank of heaven. Is that right? You're laying up treasures in heaven's bank. But now here's the thing. So many people read this 
and they add something in there that's not there. I think the way a lot of people act and talk, they must think this reads, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon heaven. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures, excuse me, on the earth. Don't lay up treasures on earth. But verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thou canst not touch them till thou diest. <laughs> Does that say that? No. Then why do so many people think that way? Did you hear me? Did it say, lay up treasures in heaven where you cannot touch them till you die and get to heaven? No. I don't even know how much currency we're going to need up there. Did you hear me? See, I, you know. Go with me to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. And I'm not going to keep you much longer, but if you could hold with me just a little bit, because it's important. Like we were talking last night, I mean, what would you be rushing off to anyway? Right? 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. Just a little while longer. 6.12. You know it. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Everybody say, lay hold. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, is he talking about doing something here and now or later on? When do you fight the good fight of faith? When do you lay hold of eternal life? When do you get born again? When do you receive Jesus and eternal life, healing and, and uh, uh, baptism in the Holy Ghost? You receive and lay hold of these things, which are all manifestations of eternal life now. Is that right? I mean, you don't wait till later to get saved. If you don't get saved now, you won't be saved. You lay hold of this now, and you do it by faith. Look at verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Glory to God. You suppose he'd like for you to enjoy a new car, nice suit of clothes. He wants you to enjoy. I mean, some people, bless the heart, they, they think that if it's enjoyable, it's got to be a sin. You know? Kind of like the lady one time, at a, this, this guy was a missionary. And uh, he went out to this place that had no refrigeration there. It was a very primitive society. They'd never had any ice cream. He was a great lover of ice cream. And he thought, man, this is just a crime. That somebody has never had any ice cream. He made some arrangements. And in a few months, they brought a load of ice cream on a boat. And man, he whipped it out. And he had them all lined up and took a scoop, made them a, a, an ice cream cone. Well, he'd had a church there for a little while, and they'd learned about several things. You know, they'd been Christians for a little while. And he got to this one lady, handed her that. He looked at her because he's so, so, you know, glad that they're going to get to taste ice cream for the first time. She took a big lick of it. She looked at him. She threw it on the ground. He said, my Lord, woman, this, this ice cream came all the way across the ocean. What do you thought? She said, anything tastes that good? Have to be a sin, she said. I think there's people like that. They think, you know, that if you had something nice and enjoyed it, hey, this got to be a sin. Got to be a sin. No. 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 And you hear people talking about, well, my God, did you hear that? You hear that preacher's got a $10,000 watch. My Lord. I mean, did you hear he drives a, a, a $60,000 Mercedes? Can, can you believe that? 
Did you know if he would sell that and send that to the mission field, do you know what they could do with that? Listen up. People that talk like that are judging these people. They're judging them. No, no ifs and ands about it. They are judging them. But the Bible still happened to the person that judges. They will be judged. And listen to me very carefully. You hear a person talk like that? I'm going to tell you what they are. They are hypocrites. Don't you even wonder about it. They're hypocrites. They are not doing what they claim these people should be doing. They're not doing it. They're hypocrites. How many remember the story of the woman that came and put the perfume on Jesus' feet? Do you remember that? Yes. Now, if you figure that up by today's standard, she probably dumped in the neighborhood of, I would just say, $10,000 on his feet. One-time shot. Bam. 12000 bucks. One shot. Well, I bet he smelled good for the next few days. This was very expensive stuff. If you figure up, you know, you can look in the Bible, figure up these amounts. Did Jesus look at her and say, My God, woman, what? this is a waste. We could have fed the hungry. We could have done this. We could have. No, who said that? Judas, Judas Iscariot. Yeah. Do you see what company these other people are in? Yeah. He said, this could have been sold and given to the poor. This could have, this is a waste. What did the Lord say? Leave her alone. She's done a good thing. And why did Judas say that? Because he was so concerned about the poor? No. Because he carried the bag. And he was a thief. And he helped himself, the Bible said. One translation said he helped himself to what was in it. You watch it. People that talk like that, they're hypocrites. God doesn't look at amounts. We already talked about that. He looks at percentage. You may think somebody could sell their watch and give it to the gospel. What about you? Have you got something you could sell? Have you got three cans of beans in the pantry? You don't need all three of them. Give two of them to missions. You got two loaves of bread? You, you could get by on one. See, people are hypocrites. And listen to me. If I am tithing and in fact giving above my tithe, if I'm giving 20, 30, 40, 50% of my income, if I've got three yachts, two limousines, four vacation homes, and an airplane, if you're not even tithe, you ought to be embarrassed to open your mouth and say anything about what That's I said. Right. You're not even tithing. Amen. Did you hear what I'm saying? Yes. God didn't intend for us to be impoverished. He intended for us to all do our part. And then he wants to bless us. And he always wants our priorities right. Can you say Amen. A lot of people need to get their mind renewed in these areas. Now, did you see what he said? He didn't say let those that are rich get rid of them on nasty riches. Because <laughs> they can't serve God like that. Now, what did he say? He said, just don't be high-minded. Don't get too big for your britches. Don't get to thinking you're something because you've got a little money now. Stay humble. Don't trust in these riches. Don't put your faith in them. Don't put your faith in your money. Keep your faith in God all the time. And trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be ready to distribute and give. Willing to communicate. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You see that? Lay hold. Lay hold. Lay hold. But see, it did not say that lay hold on it when thou gettest to heaven. 
People miss it there. In fact, back up to the fourth chapter real quickly. And I'm really trying to close. Just hold with me just a little bit. Fourth chapter. Sometimes it's necessary to take just another moment. Because what good is rushing over it if people don't get it? Fourth chapter, verse 8. He said, bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Living godly and doing godly things, will you benefit from it later on when you get to heaven? Yes. But will you also benefit from it right here and now? Yes. Do you remember what Jesus said to the disciples when, you know, he talked about the rich young ruler who couldn't get his faith out of his money and he couldn't do what God told him to do? God, did, God wasn't asking him to take a vow of poverty for the rest of his life. He was asking him to give away everything he had. Why? Because his faith was in his money. And the only way you prove that your faith's not in your money, if it was like that, is if you can part from it. But if he sold everything like that, what do you think is going to happen to him? When you sow like that, what's going to happen? Man, the man would have had more than he ever knew what to do with. He would have come back many God, He might not have had much for a little while while he learned to get his faith out of money and things into God, but then later on it would have been coming back to him in floods. But he couldn't do it because his faith was in money instead of things instead of God. He was covetous. But you remember what they said? Peter and them said, you know, well, Lord, we've left everything. And what about us? He said, nobody has left anything. Not houses, not brothers, sisters, lands, possessions, etc., etc. He said, but you'll receive a hundredfold. And he's talking about people that are leaving things for the work of God. This is a little bit different from just giving an offering. But he said, you'll receive, you know, a hundredfold. When? Now in this life. Is that right? And you'll receive reward in heaven. And you'll also get persecution down here. Well, you didn't necessarily want that, but it comes anyway. <laughs> and I tell you, if you get a hold of what we're talking about here this weekend, and you really sow, and you really believe, God will bless you, and you'll have more stuff than you ever had, and you'll give more than you ever have, and you'll be persecuted. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's right. It's amazing. Ecclesiastes says it, Proverbs says it, you know, that you'll be, you'll be envied by your neighbor because of some of these things. I, I know a situation some while, a while back where a lady, her and her two or three friends were all pretty, pretty overweight, and she, she lost a bunch of weight. I mean, she, she, she must have lost 80 pounds. And, man, she, she looked nice. And her other three friends didn't lose any weight. I mean, they got where they shunned her, you know. And she, it wasn't because she was trying to act different. She loved them, wanted to fellowship, but they got where she'd call them and they just wouldn't have time to see her. And they used to go eat together and do this and that. They just, you know, some way or another just couldn't get with her. And after a while, she figured out, hey, something's wrong here. And she talked to them, and they, they just didn't want to be around her. See, instead of humbling herself and saying, hey, sister, how'd you do it? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go to exercise class with you. Tell us how you eat. Tell us, you understand what I'm saying? Instead of doing that, they just want to shun her. And you see that, people do that with money. If you begin to get a little things and get a little prosperous, then if people hadn't grown like that themselves, then sometimes they're intimidated by it. And, you know, it's just part of the deal. And a lot of times it's easier for people to believe, well, it's just not God's will for me to be prosperous. It's easier to believe that than it is to get a hold of these things we're talking about and be a doer of the word and use your faith. 
So they'd rather just fuss with you and, you know, not receive your message and make fun of you. So you catch some persecution. But take it because you'll also be in a position to be a blessing. Praise God, I'm believing to get to the place where if somebody in the church or our pastor or whoever, our mission program comes up and they say, you know, we need $10,000 to do this certain thing. I want my biggest problem to be, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to give all of it, half of it? What do you want me to do? You understand? Get a vision. Let people talk if they want to. Is that right? But can you see here, when you sow, when you give, you lay up treasure in heaven. But this is for you when you need it. Did you hear me? But it doesn't just fall on you automatically. You've got to lay hold of it with your faith and receive it. Lay hold of it. You kept seeing that phrase. Use that phrase twice in that sixth chapter. Lay hold of it. What did you think about somebody that every week they went and made a deposit in the bank? Every week. Every week. I mean, made a good deposit. Every week. Made a deposit. Made a deposit. And then years later, you know, you come across them one time and they're just crying. Just tears flowing out of their eyes. And you say, what's wrong? Well, I don't understand it. I never have any money to do anything. They say, well, well, what's the deal? Well, I know I got money in the bank. I put money in that bank every week for the last six years. And I just don't understand it. I don't have a dime to do that. Well, so, did you go withdraw some? Well, no. You written any checks on it? Well, no. They know I need money. I know it's there. What do you think about somebody like that? Yet. What have Christian people done? See? When you sow and when you give, you're laying up treasure in heaven. But when you need it, it's there. Claim it. Lay hold of it with your faith. Brother Hagin said the Lord taught him to do this, and he said it was a real revelation to him. But he told him, he said, quit praying and begging for money like you've been doing. You've been praying and begging and praying. He said, quit doing it. Just quit praying like you've been praying. He said, let me tell you how to do it. He said, the money you need is in this realm, the currency. But, of course, it's credited to your account in heaven. And God's got the job of getting it to you, you see, transferring it to you. Even the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. But he said, what you do, he said, you say, I claim X amount, what I need, out of this world system. And, of course, from your heavenly bank account, you see. And he said, say, go, ministering spirits. Cause the money to come. And then claim it, believe it's yours, expect it to come in. See, when, you, when you're sowing and giving, it's like a lot of things. I mean, you may sow a big gift, but you may not need all the return on that by the next week or by the next month or even the next year. But then it's there. And when you need it, and when you need a large amount, hey, you know you're a giver, you know you're a tither, you know it's there. Is that right? And it's not just there, but it's multiplied. And so what do you got to do? Reach out with your faith. Is that right? And say, I, I, we're doing this certain deal, we're going to buy this thing, we're going to do this thing, we need this, we claim X amount, and don't be stingy, claim a little extra. Did you hear me? Brother Howard Carter one time believed God to pay off a certain church note on a thing. And, man, he didn't have any resources, but he just had faith, praise God. He was a giver. He claimed it and believed it. Came down to the last day. And the mail ran several times there in England where he was at. And the last run of the mail, 
Here's the envelope. The return address was all smudged. You couldn't tell who it was. He pulled it out. It was just full of banknotes. Just exactly what he needed. He counted it all. He was happy, you know. But then he got to it. He said, Lord, it's only just. Only just what I asked. You know, just what we needed. Just, just the exact amount. Not even 50 extra dollars for me. He said, the Lord said, that's all you asked for. That's all you claim. I mean, no, if you go write a check and you write it for $53 and you say, yeah, but I wanted extra $10 for myself. Why didn't you write it for 63 Is that right? Lay hold of what you need with faith. Believe you receive it. Claim it. Amen? You have ministering spirits that will go and work to cause it to come in. Expect it and keep on expecting it until you see it. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God, praise God, praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.